Hi friends, and welcome to Robcast number five. This one is called Atoms and Interiors. And I'm sitting at my desk in my office, in my house, and I'm talking into a microphone that's plugged into my computer, and then you are somewhere in the world. And I know some of you have sent in emails saying that you listen to the Robcast while you drive to work. Um, some of you say that you listen while you work out, some while you clean the house or prepare a meal. So whatever you're doing, hi, how are you? Isn't this extraordinary that I can talk to you and then wherever you are, you can listen and we have some sort of global friendship. Fascinating. It makes my head spin. Does that make your head spin? So there was that commentary on the wonders of the modern age. Um, couple things coming up. I have a two-day event in London, end of March, beginning of April. Would love to see you there. So all my British friends, I'm coming your way. Uh, early March, I'm doing a one-day event on creative process here in uh, Southern California. And then um, some of you know that the comedian Pete Holmes, my beloved friend Pete Holmes and I have put together a two-man show. And um, we premiered it a couple of weeks ago in L.A. at the Regent Theater, and it was just a blast. And um, in probably a week or two, we're going to hopefully have dates for other cities around the country that Pete Holmes and I will be doing our Together at Last tour stops at. So um, hopefully I'll be coming to your city in the near future. And some other tour um, things are coming together. So all sorts of stuff coming together, and hopefully I will see you in your city in the near future. But right now, let's talk about atoms and interiors, because you, my brothers and sisters, you are made of atoms. The general estimate is that you are made of roughly 7 billion, billion, billion atoms, and that every single atom that makes up your body is at least a billion years old. Now, to give you an idea of the size of an atom, there are more atoms in a glass of water than there are glasses of water in all of the oceans combined. So atoms, in other words, are quite small. Atoms make up molecules. Molecules make up cells. Cells make up systems. You have all these systems that limbic nervous system that ultimately make up your body. Now an atom is fascinating because an atom is made up of particles. And these particles, subatomic particles, are made up of smaller particles. And those particles are made up of smaller particles. So if you ever heard quantum physics or particle physics or subatomic physics, what happened a little over a hundred years ago is there was this incredible revolution in science in which for the first time scientists were actually able to take apart an atom and identify the particles that make up an atom. But then they developed more sophisticated technology and realized that you can take apart the particles that make up the particles that make up an atom. And then they discovered that the particles that make up the particles that make up an atom can actually be split. At this point, they've identified over 150 subatomic particles. And when you get down to things at that size, it's just weird. They've identified subatomic particles that come into existence. They don't know where they come into existence from. 
They've identified subatomic particles, one particle that can be in two different places at the same time. They discovered subatomic particles that can leave point A and appear in point B without traveling the distance in between. Then later they realized, oh, actually, when that particle leaves point A and arrives at point B, it actually traveled every possible route to point B, but you can only tell which route it actually took when you observe it. <laughs> so if your brain right now is slowly melting, that's completely normal. And some of the greatest quantum physicists have said, if you study quantum physics and your brain doesn't sort of get blown because it's simply you don't have categories for this sort of thing, that's a completely normal response. So you at your core are made up of these tiny little building blocks of matter called atoms. And atoms are actually made up of all of these little particles that are in essence swirling patterns of energy. An atom is 99.9% empty space. An atom, and you are made of 7 billion, billion, billion atoms, an atom is 99.9% .9 empty space. If you took all of the empty space out of all of the atoms in the universe, the universe would fit in a sugar cube. Still with me? Okay, now let's keep going. The atoms that make up you, you haven't always made you, you. The atoms that currently comprise your unis, very technical scientific term there, your unis, those atoms have previously made other things and other people. And those atoms will go on to make other things and other people. So your physicality, your body, is made up of building blocks that made something else or somebody else are currently forming you, but will go on to make other things and perhaps other people. Your body has this fascinating way of shedding skin and dying and yet rebirthing and creating new. You get new skin about every month and your entire body is replaced roughly every seven years. Everything within your body dies off while it continues to produce more you, which is part of the mystery as well. These cells that make up you, you, and cells, of course, are made of molecules, and molecules are made of atoms. These cells that make you, you, are constantly dying. 300, roughly 300 million cells that make you, you, die every minute in your body, but at the same time, your body is producing new cells that somehow know to be you. It's not like you suddenly start becoming Gary, your neighbor. There is a consistency and continuity to you while your body is also shedding and dying billions of times an hour. I know, strange. And your body replaces itself roughly every seven years. So if I met you eight years ago, and then I meet you today, I am meeting a totally different physical bodied person, and yet you're still you. You share roughly 50% of your DNA with a banana, and you share roughly 96% of your DNA with an ape. Because the elements that make up you, you, the very basic elements that form your body, are the basic elements 
carbon, hydrogen, hydrogen, oxygen, they're the elements that make up everything else as well. Actually, the heavier elements that make human life possible were formed by the creation of stars. So when people say you are a star, that is technically an accurate term. See, the same elements that make up the environment around you are the exact same elements that make up your body. So when people talk about the environment, we got to care for the environment because the, the environment is generally understood to be that which is around you, but the environment is also internal to you. You are inextricably linked with the environment. So earth care includes care for you because it's all made pretty much of the same stuff. How are we doing so far? <laughs> now, you then are like a pattern, a consistent, continuous, physical pattern moving through space and time. Some have said that a human being is like a waterfall. It has the same shape, and yet the water is rushing through it. All new water, yet a continuance of form. So you are a temporary arrangement of dust and particles. You are a loose confederation. You are a finely tuned, astonishingly highly calibrated collection of dust. So in the ancient scriptures, like in the Hebrew scriptures, when it says from dust we come and to dust we return, that is so scientifically spot on. You are this strange, exotic, highly tuned, finely calibrated collection of particles that used to be something else and will go on and be something or somebody else. And yet, I just said that sentence and you just heard about it. And now you're thinking about it. You're reflecting on your own existence. So you are like this bag of bones and skin and hair and toenails, and yet you also have the ability to reflect upon your own existence. You have consciousness. You can feel. You have capacity for despair, for joy. You can analyze things. You can rationally pull them apart. You can have a meal and say, oh, that was transcendent. You can listen to a song and say, that made my soul soar. So there is a material reality to your existence, but within this material reality of your existence, you have this extraordinary capacity to think about it and to reflect upon it. And that isn't just the firing of neurons. That is your ability. We talk about heart. We talk about soul. We talk about spirit. These, of course, are great mysteries. One way to think about it would be this. You have exteriors. That You have that about yourself which can be measured and measured in very quantifiable terms. We have your social security, num social security number, what you ate for breakfast, how much your rent is, how much you weigh, what your car insurance payment is. We have these details about your life that we can measure. We can make spreadsheets. We can do an analysis of the data. There are these facts we have about you. There are the exteriors of your life, but then there are the interiors. For the exteriors, we have science, but for the interiors, you often need 
a poet. Are you with me? So there is at work, there is your job, there is how much you get done, there is where you went to school, there is your grocery bill, there are those hard, cold, measurable facts about your life. But then there is your interior life. Love, loss, longing, lust, heartbreak, triumph, despair, betrayal. When you fall in love, can you put that in your pocket? Nope. When you've had your heart crushed by somebody, can you carry that around in a suitcase? Nope. When you feel like you're on top of the world, can you store that in the glove compartment of your car? No, you can't. So you're this fascinating cocktail, this fascinating mix of dust and soul, bone and spirit. You have that which is measurable about you, and then you have that which is immeasurable. When you ask the question, does this even matter? Where does that question reside in your being? Because if we were to take you apart down to the very last atom, which is kind of excruciating and brutal, let's be honest. But if we were to take you apart, where would we find your joy in your physical body? Where would you find we find your thoughts about who you love? Where would we find the place that you store the wounds from where you've been betrayed? See, there is that which is measurable, and then there is that which is immeasurable. There is that which science can analyze and prove and cite and study, and then there is that which we need the poet for. See, meaning when you say, what does it mean? Meaning can't be accessed with your five senses. You can't hold meaning in your hand. Or when people say, this just matters to me, prove it. If something matters to you, where do you, where, where, how would we ever prove something like that with the standard categories of that which is measurable? When we say that a certain thing has significance for us, where do you store your significance? Where do you keep it? Is it in your closet? No. This is when you start talking about soul, you start talking about spirit, you start talking about your heart, you start talking about your dreams. So you have an exterior life and you have an interior dimension to your being. Now later, on a later Robcast, we'll talk about how even those boundaries don't really exist. But anyway, for now, we'll talk about exteriors and interiors. Now why am I talking about this? I want to talk about a question that a number of you have asked because I have these stacks of questions you've sent in which are fantastic. There's a question, a theme that unites a number of questions. And then I just want to make two observations about atoms and interiors. So first, the question. A number of you have asked this question and essentially comes in in different language, but the basic question is, what's the point of religion? And generally what you say in the question is you talk about having a bad experience in a religious setting. It was too narrow, it was too fundamental, it was too uptight, it was too close-minded, it was anti-intellectual, it wasn't inclusive and embracing enough. Whatever it was, basically, what's the point of even this? Why even bother? Here's my answer. Regardless of whatever kind of experience you've had with religion or spirituality, you have an interior life. You have a hunger for things to matter. You want your life to have meaning. 
You want to know that there's a significance to this. You have doubt, despair. You have dark nights of the soul. You have existential angst. It's all part of being a human. Are you with me? This is why Depeche Mode exists. This is why we have country music. Well, that, that's probably a different subject. But that's why we have music. That's why we have art. That's why we have poetry. Is There is something deep within the human being which is very hard to find in a microscope that wants to soar, you want to fly, you want to know that it matters, you want to know that this isn't just a random accident, but that you are connected with a larger reality beyond yourself. So when people say, I'm just through with all that religion, spirituality stuff, it's all just nonsense, we don't need any of that, my observation will be that your search for your interior life, for a center, for a north star, for a compass, for meaning, it will just come up in a different name. You can reject it by certain categories and say, all that church, God, Jesus, faith, spirituality stuff is nonsense, but that doesn't mean that you won't still have hunger. See, historically, people had an animating story that rooted and grounded them historically, people had a, had a tribe they were a part of, and that tribe had myths, it had stories, it had a genesis of origin, it had a way of explaining the world. And so you were handed from a young age all of these orienting points. Think of them like signs along the roadway telling you who you are, what matters, how it all works. And then within that, there were often rituals. And there were rituals that spoke to your fundamental longings as a human being. Longings to know who you are. Longings to know why you're here. Longings to know that you belong. Longings to know that there's a point to your existence and that you have a role to play in blessing and helping and serving those around you and making the world a different place, better place. So whenever people talk about the end of religion, when they talk about the end of Christianity or any other sort of, sort of thought system or worldview or perspective, remember, you can walk away from a lame system. And sometimes you need to. You just need to get out of there. And by the way, if you're part of any sort of community, specifically a religious community, and it loads you down with guilt and anxiety and burdens, don't do that to yourself. Life is difficult enough. Are you with me? Those of you who have been sitting in services that just make you feel terrible and weigh you down and don't help you, what are you doing? I, I officially give you permission to not do that if it's not good for you, if it doesn't build you up, if it doesn't help you grow into your, the best version of yourself, then don't do it. But you have an interior life and your heart will still be hungry. Your soul will still thirst for meaning, guidance, depth for a North Star. So that said, a couple of thoughts. Let's go back to the fact that you're made of atoms. Let's go back to the fact that you are you and the actual essence that makes you you was something else and will go on to be something else uh, for the weirdness of what it means to be this collection of dust and bone and spirit and soul moving through space and time, which is just absolutely awesome, let's be honest. But nevertheless, there is a miracle to your existence. Sometimes people will ask, well, do you believe in miracles? 
And when you say, what do you mean by miracle? Well, something that can't be explained. You can explain your existence? Really? You can? You can reflect upon the fact that you can reflect and you can explain that? See, science is awesome and it's teaching us all sorts of things about how the world works. And lots of things that used to have fanciful, magical, mythical explanations, we now know have very straightforward, rational, naturalistic explanations. But the fact that we find that interesting, the fact that we have consciousness, is more of a mystery than ever. So my observation is this. Most people are probably moving too fast and are disconnected from the miracle of your own existence. How you got here, what you're doing here, how your blood pumps, what does your heart pump? 2,000 gallons of blood through your veins every day. You are a living, breathing, walking miracle. It's not that do miracles exist, it's the whole thing is a miracle, isn't it? I remember years ago I did a, uh, I remember doing a sermon and a guy came down front afterwards and he had two first names, which which was which I couldn't stop thinking about as I was talking to him for some reason. Um, I'll change his name. Let's give him two first names. It's like his name was John Bill or something. So we'll, we'll change his name for the Robcast and we'll call him John Bill. But John Bill comes down and he is pissed off. And he says, Rob, I got to talk to you. And he launches into this tirade about his ex-wife. And John Bill is cranked up. John Bill is like, this woman, she left me. She's crazy. She's And, and I stopped him. Like literally a couple seconds, you know, 30 seconds into his rant and said, who's this? And he says, well, these are my two kids because he had two kids with him. I said, really, what are their names? And he gives me his two kids' names. I said, how old are they? And he gives me their ages. And I said, are your kids healthy? And he said, well, yeah. And I said, are you healthy? He says, yeah. I said, do you love your kids? And he looks at me like I'm completely just nuts. And he says, yeah, of course I love my kids. I was like, do your kids love you? And he says, yeah. I said, so what are you going to do today? What are you going to do after this? When you get done talking to me, what are you going to do? And he's like, well, I'm probably going to go to lunch. I said, like, where are you going to go? And he's like, well, they have a restaurant. It's like their favorite. I'll take them there. I said, what are you going to do then? And he says, well, maybe probably go to the park. And I just start asking him questions. So, so let me get this straight. You're healthy. Your kids are healthy. You love them. They love you. You're going to get to spend the day with these two kids that you love. And you can see him gradually, he just sort of melts. And gradually, you can see on his face, this guy isn't as interested as he was in the beginning to rant about his ex-wife. Now, she may have been a terribly toxic, destructive person. He may have had all sorts of legitimate points. But my observation is that many of us are disconnected from the wonder of our own existence. Yes, injustice is real and greed corrupts and there is very real oppression and problems and inequality in the world. Yes, and racism and it, the list goes on. This world is really, really, really jacked up. We all know that. But at the heart of it, most people appear to be moving too fast, disconnected, from the wonder and awe of your own existence. Is this you? You're paying bills, you're going to work, you're taking kids to soccer practice, you're filling out your TPS reports, you're watering the lawn, well, you're shoveling snow, 
whatever it is that you're doing, you're moving fast and your life is busy and it's full and that's fantastic. But there are times when you stop and you breathe deeply and you reconnect yourself to the wonder and mystery of your own existence. And then second, you have an interior life and you can only ignore it for so long until something within you dies. A little part of you starts to die. So this is my word to you. Nurture, take care of, pay attention to your interior life. Whatever it is, my Kristen often says, what feeds your soul? What is it that feeds your soul? What is it that reconnects you with the mystery of your own existence? What is it that orients you? What is the path that you are on, the story that you are telling yourself? This, of course, is the power of religion and spirituality. This is why I'm a Christian. This is why I talk about Jesus and do these Robcasts, is because my job is to help put language to the interior life. That's what I do. I try to come up with the words, the phrases, the stories, the connections, the teachings, the metaphors, the images, the pictures. I try to give you ways of thinking about how your interiors and your exteriors are connected. I try to give you a way of thinking about that which can't be measured, and yet it sort of drives the whole thing, doesn't it? When your heart is full, everything is different. When your spirit is soaring, everything is different. Would you agree with me? What feeds your soul? Pay attention to your interior life. I'll often meet people who have this deep reservoir of questions, doubts, anxieties, fears, insecurities, and you'll just, it's almost like you just pop the bubble just a little bit and all of this stuff comes gushing out. This is why there are spiritual guides, books, podcasts, therapists, counselors. There, there are people who are experts in all of this. Not to mention just having a good meal with your friends and saying, how do you deal with this? Or have, have any of you ever experienced that? But if you deny your interior life and you just go through the motions and you drive the car and you pay the bills and you do the work and you take the kids where they need to go and you essentially ignore and do not pay attention to your interior life, something within you begins to die. So that's what we're doing here. I will be back with another Robcast in a week and we will keep doing more interior work, looking for language, looking for symbols, images, metaphors. Jesus called disciples who are students. So that right there is a way to think about it. You're a student. He talked about living the fullest life manageable, being connected to the divine with the very depths of your being. That alone is a story. It's all matters. It's all connected. And it's all headed somewhere. May you, my brothers and sisters, be reconnected with the wonder and mystery of your own existence. May you look down at your body and say, wow, this is amazing. May you work through whichever ways, whatever ways perhaps, 
the story that you were handed doesn't work anymore. Whether it was from a religion or a denomination or a church or whatever it was, a thought system or worldview, if it didn't work anymore, if it doesn't if it doesn't help you navigate the modern world, that's okay. Let's be honest about that, but let's work through that. But let's not toss out your interiors because they're there. You have a heart, you have a soul, you have a spirit. And may you pay attention to the part of you that is the center of you, that is your heart, your soul, your spirit. And may you be alive, more alive than ever. Grace and peace be with you.